Every year I know we gonna go hard. We been that team ever since Bart Starr. All my cheese heads go pack go. Ain't show with no mercy, cutting no slack, no. I ain't the best sport and I'll leave it with your good luck. Only thing I will Welcome to Lombardi's Legends Podcast. Dane here with Wags. Um, what's up? Packer preseason game number two already in the books. Um, first one at Lambeau Field, and there's a lot to talk about, I think, Wags, after all that. But first of all, how you doing, buddy? It's great to see you. It's Monday night, feeling good, post-Packer preseason. Yeah, um, feeling great. Uh, just getting ready for the heat wave that's apparently going to be striking Wisconsin here in the next couple of days. So I'm sure practice will be moving indoor for the Packers, but um yeah, I mean, it was nice to be able to kick back Saturday night and watch some more football. I know it's just preseason, but uh, I, I think there was some really nice developments, uh, both storylines going into the game based on, you know, where some of the guys were um, and uh, some of the performances as well. So we've got some good reaction to get into. And, and Dane, I'm excited to break that all down as well. No doubt about it. And folks, as we're getting started here, um, those of you that are on the uh, listen on the podcast, you know that we are uh, we always simulcast and do an awful lot of stuff. So right on the front end, just adding Wags to Insta Live, and uh, he's going to be jumping on Insta Live here momentarily as well. So what's up, Insta Live? What's up, Facebook Live? What's up, Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it? What's up, YouTube? Um, and I think Wags is on. So yes, um, it's it's a good day, man. It's a good day, and I think the first thing we have to talk about Wags, and everybody wants to hear about is our dude Jordan Love, a quarterback, obviously, of the Packers, QB1. Another really strong outing, I thought, um, especially a little bit later, a couple series in. But what were your impressions of Jordan Love um, after now two weeks, Wags? We've now seen him against some some live starting defenses in the NFL. Um, We've seen, I think, some really strong things. But what's your take? How are you feeling about Jordan Love as we are heading towards this last preseason game, which we've already been told he's going to be playing a little bit? in? Yeah, I I thought he played a cleaner game in the second game against the Patriots than the first game, which was fine. Uh, He missed a couple of throws. Uh, One that was uh, to Musgrave that he has to complete, which we talked about in the last episode. Uh, Another, you know, long throw that was was a pretty good throw. And and as we talked about, uh, the Bengals safety made a a really nice play on. So um, that'll happen. You know, that's just football. But I I think in this game, the first series, the Packers came out, and Jordan Love set the tempo. He didn't really do anything throwing the football. Packers ran the ball first three plays, um, and uh, Aaron Jones got his carry and, and left the game. Uh, and then Dylan came in and had a couple of nice carries, get a first down. Um, and, uh, and then I think had, we had a nice completion to Dobbs over the middle. Uh, on a third and long, about third and seven or so. Uh, really nice catch, nice throw, but probably a better catch, I'll be honest with you. Uh, but uh, both Jordan Love and, and Dobbs connecting on on that. So a nice third down conversion. And then that, that drive obviously is cut short by the errant snap uh, from Josh Myers. Uh, looked like there was a little bit of miscommunication. The snap was wide, uh, but Jordan Love was also looking up at the play clock when the snap came in. So uh, that probably didn't help matters too much either. But uh, either way, so that we certainly need to get that cleaned up. And we can talk maybe a little bit more about that when we get to the offensive line reaction. But um you know, uh, came back second series, obviously, you know, again, moved the ball a little bit, had to punt, but um, really impressive um, in his third and final series, taking the Packers uh, 96 yards down the field, still against the, the Patriots defense, their starters. Uh, Patriots are a really good defense. They were a great defense last year, and they added some talent uh, with a first round pick, a uh, uh, um, Christensen at, at corner. Um, and, uh, so, and they've got a really strong defensive line and defensive front. Um, so I thought Jordan Love really had great composure, as you mentioned last week, uh, in the pocket, um, was accurate with his throws and, uh, just really impressive. And, and on that drive, um, the, the scramble, Dane, I, I think was really cool. Uh, he, he stepped up in the pocket. 
had really good presence. His feet didn't get skippy. Um, so it wasn't a situation where he was uh, panicking and tucking and running. I think it was the right read at that moment. Um, had great awareness, is looking kind of head on a swivel as he's running downfield. Ha- felt the presence uh, of, I believe it was Roberts, big 96 for the Patriots on the D-line, kind of bearing down on him, goes into a slide, and and uh, then he Roberts jumped on him, and the rest is just the rest of the offensive uh, uh, players for the Packers immediately coming to uh, defend Jordan Love uh, after that late hit. And uh, Jordan Love, I think, handled himself well, but was a competitor and got up, snapped up, and was was fired up in that situation as well. Um, so that's just really cool to see. And then certainly a couple plays later, just an absolute strike to Jaden Reed, um, kind of uh, looked off the safety and, and was able to get that crosser. Um, really cool to see both for Jordan Love and then uh, Jaden Reed. Nice catch, nice play. So we got a little taste of the upside of what this Packer offense could be under Jordan Love this week. And um, certainly we do expect some inconsistencies, but lest we forget, Dane, and then I'm going to turn this over to you, um, the Packers offense hasn't exactly been all that consistent early in the season the last couple of seasons, even with Aaron Rodgers under center, right? So uh, I'm just kind of curious what your take is on Jordan Love and maybe the the number one offense as a whole before we look into some other players and reactions uh, and some other guys um, and, and what it might mean that these guys are getting more reps here in the preseason than we've had in the season past. Well, it's a good question, Wags. And I'll start, um, you know, the first, so the Packers had two joint practices, right, with the Patriots before they they played this uh, this preseason game. The first pr- uh, pr- uh camp practice. I thought the Packers won um, out really well. I thought the second one, frankly, we got punched in the mouth and didn't really respond um, from from um, uh, all, every indication. The, the Patriots looked really fired up after the first poor day of practice and uh, Packers looked a little more flat um, after that. So I'll tell you what, one thing that's been a theme of this Packers team wags has been, you know, you get punched in the mouth and then, you know, hate to say it, but maybe SOFT a little bit um, and, and, you know, over the last couple of years in different times of the season, I love seeing that this team, and you mentioned it, you know, Jay Love gets popped a bit and the, the guys rally around him. I love that this is a team that looked fiery. I love that this is a team that looked like they, they, they were more resilient offensively. They did get down early, right? They had some challenges. Again, folks, we know it's a preseason game, but um, it's nice to see some of these young guys because they are young. They're all fiery. They all have something to prove. Jordan Love gets, you know, and he, somebody gets near Jordan Love and you see the guys rally around him. And to watch Jay Love stand in the pocket later on and throw that strike to Jaden Reed, um, yes, the offense has had some ups and downs a lot in a preseason or kind of early in the regular season the last few years. But this isn't the same Packer team. Um, there's an edge to this team that I don't recall. Now, is it the same talent? Is it the same experience? You know, those are all things that we can debate. But there's a different edge to this Packers team right now. And I'm seeing it. I think we're all seeing it before our eyes right now. We're seeing this young talent. We're seeing a mix of guys that, um, you know, want to take a leadership role. We're seeing guys that want to be the guy. But what I'm seeing early on this is not a team that's going to shrink. I really don't think so. This team looks like they're going to find an identity through being maybe this young up and coming roster. Um, So I really like seeing it. They got to clean up this snaps uh, situation. That's probably one of my biggest red flags of all training camp long is we've seen fumbled snap after fumbled snap. And it's not just one guy, but man, Josh Myers um, has had his share of fumbled snaps. And it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Um, so that's something that I'm, I'm kind of scratching my, my, my head at right now, Wags. I'm kind of, I want to hear from you on if you think it's a Josh Myers thing, if you think it's a Packers thing, or if you think what's going on, because it seems like damn near every practice we've seen some kind of fumbled snap, but from an offensive scheme perspective, from a Jordan love perspective, from an offensive line perspective, I really like how this team's hanging right now. This looks like a team that is going to build and grow as the season progresses. And I do think, Think it's important that Jordan's been playing these preseason games. Um, they've got this rhythm. They, all the starters are playing. They're starting to feel each other out. And I just think it's going to benefit this Packers team once week one happens and the Packers head to Chicago. 
Yeah, I think that's a pretty good segue into let's maybe talk a little bit of the offensive line, stay on that side of the football. And uh, certainly the snap from Josh Myers, and that's, you're right, it's not just a one-time thing. That seems to be a theme uh, throughout the offseason uh, in OTAs and in, in training camp practices as well. So uh, that's that's going to be a, a situation that we're going to have to continue to monitor Um it appears that Zach Tom has locked down the right tackle position. We expected Zach Tom to be a starter somewhere. Um, and that, that's, so that's not a surprise. I, I think one thing that is interesting with the whole development around, um, you know, uh, Myers in the center position is Hansen got hurt. I don't know if there's a significant injury in this game. Um, we've got Myers that maybe has, slightly regressed in his performance in year two last year, has had some some nicks and injuries uh, in his first two seasons. Um, and now we've got quite a battle for the swing tackle spot, apparently. Uh, Rashid Walker starts at left tackle um, since Dave Bakhtiari isn't playing any of these preseason games ahead of Yash Nyman, which was a little bit of a surprise, perhaps. It, we don't know for sure if that's in a situation where they just want to get an extended look at Rashid Walker. Um, uh, obviously, Yash Nyman is in, in a contract year. Uh, I think you kind of know what you're getting, but... Um, Coach LaFleur just said, you know what, uh, Walker had a good game last week and he had a great week of practice and we wanted to give him an extended look against the ones of the Pats. Um, I think this is a smart decision by the coaching staff. Injuries can happen. So let's see how this young man uh, can fare. I, I don't know if it's necessarily that he's ahead of the pecking order of Yash Nyman at this point as much as it is. This is an opportunity to really get a better assessment for Walker's readiness to come into a game if there is a, a situation that they would require him to do so. So um, it is a competition, and I honestly, I thought he played really well. Dane, I, I don't know what your assessment was, but frankly, this whole offensive line, aside from the bad snap, I thought played really well this this, this week. Um, we set the tempo. It's going to be interesting to see um, once the regular season starts, and obviously we don't have backups coming in in the uh, you know late first quarter, or early second quarter, uh, how the game plan shapes out. But um, we really ran the ball effectively against this Pats defense, and uh, that, that was a nice thing to see. I thought it was very bad. Balanced. Um, I, I, I never really felt like we were in a situation where it was an obvious pass situation or we were putting ourselves in long down and distance situations because, uh, you know, we threw the ball uh, on first down, threw the ball on second down, and now it's third and 10 because you had a couple of incompletions um, or that would ruin the flow of, of a drive. It really felt like they had a good game plan and that everyone was on the same page. So that was a frustration that I think we and a lot of Packer fans had at times last year as well. So I, it's only one preseason game. And, and I, I, so we'll see if that continues to manifest itself from how the coaches are calling the game and, and how things come together from a game planning and a game flow perspective. But gosh, is it great to see uh, the offensive line get a nice push uh, in the run uh, blocking and then also uh, really get a, uh, some nice um, uh, protection in pass pro as well. So um, we, we saw kind of the boat, the, the good of both sides of that. And so that was really exciting to see that Dan. Yeah, it sure is, man. Um, you know, I'm looking around this roster right now and, um, you know, there's a lot of hotly contested spots, right? There's a lot of things that we're, we're keeping an eye on. Um, somebody that's really popped since, since training camp started is, um, Malik Keith, the wide receiver. And, um, you know, we, we've talked about Jaden Reed and I, I, there's there's a lot of talent, I think, right now. But what do you make of Malik Heath? Because I watch him, you know, Big 18, and every game that we've seen, every practice, he's a guy who just mauls guys um, as, as a blocking wide receiver. He's a guy who who makes the catches, who stretches the field. Um, and, and right now, I, dare I say, I'm not sure if he's so much somebody that um, – I don't know if he's somebody that – is battling for a roster spot as so much as battling for playing time for this Packers team um, in, into the regular season. So, so like, is Malik Heath just like a revelation for this Packers offense? Because, you know, we go in and we, we sit here and we go, oh man, 
you know, so many uh, national media types talk about, oh, Packers don't have any depth and they're so inexperienced, yada, yada, yada. But now I'm sitting here going, could the Packers somehow carry seven wide receivers because there's so much depth right now? There's so many young guys that are popping. So, so you know, what do you make of Malik Heath? Jaden Reed's been phenomenal. There's so many other young guys. Dubose is coming on late. Um, you know, Hicks has been good. So how are you feeling about this wide receiver room, I guess, is the broader question. Uh, I, I feel pretty good. I mean, they're still unproven, so we'll have to see, you know, uh, how that continues to develop. We need to see consistency, certainly. I think it's been a great thing to see Dobbs play really well the last couple of weeks, not only in these games, but in practice as well. He he was someone that I mentioned a few episodes ago. I expected him to start coming on. Um, he was the talk of camp last year, um, started I wouldn't say slow, but just wasn't really necessarily as impactful the first week or week and a half of camp. Um, and he's certainly, I think, gotten his momentum. So that's great to see. Um, Dane, I, I think seven receivers, I, maybe. I, 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 here's the thing. As, as high as I am on, on these guys, I, I don't think that there's going to be a ton of teams around the league that are going to be poaching our, our sixth or seventh receiver and putting them on their 53-man roster. Um, so it's good to be excited about these players. So I, I'm not I'm not saying this to temper our enthusiasm for what, what we seem to be developing in this room, um, but I think the reality is, uh, you know, we'll probably be able to stash one or two of these guys on the practice squad, um, depending on on what the numbers are at some of the other position groups. Um, so I'm not terribly concerned. I, I think one thing that is interesting is it, it really seems like Jaden Reed, maybe he's your three, four for all intents and purposes, your third or fourth receiver. But it looks like he's going to be out there an awful lot. Um Malik Heath, as far as I'm concerned, he's he's basically earned himself a spot on his 53-man roster at this yes. point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, and frankly, he he might be earning himself a spot as maybe a fourth receiver as well, yeah, uh, and getting some yeah. snaps because of what he can do as a blocker, and and really, frankly, just his overall performance uh, the the last few weeks, both in practice and in games. Um, so, Samari Toure was someone that we thought maybe he would step up into like that number three receiver role. And he's getting a lot of reps uh, in special teams as, as a return man, particularly this week, um, both kick return and punt return. So um, Dane, I, I know that's another area of the, of the game, but um, it does affect the wide receiver numbers as well. So what is your take on that? Because Ture, I think is someone that some people are really high on, but, Frankly, he's been pretty quiet as far as the receiver um, this preseason, and it appears he's been surpassed just based on performance of some of these other guys uh, that have come in and just taken it by storm. So um, what's your take on on Toure, and and is he someone that could be in danger uh, of making the 53 um, versus uh, someone someone like a, a uh, Malik Keith or a Dubose or someone else that's that's really or a Wicks that's really coming on strong and might might have an opportunity to to steal a spot on this roster. Well, you know, it's it's funny you ask about Samari Turi, um, you know, specifically. I thought a little bit about that and watching him do so much of these special teams duties, but but not you know your 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 um, traditional coverage roles, right? As a return man, and there's two ways to look at it. One way to look at it is potentially, hey, um, you know, the Packers, Samari's making this team and the Packers are, you know, looking for that backup return guy. Um, the, the other way you could look at it, and I'm not sure if this is accurate, but it's possible is, hey, what do we have here in Samari Turi as a return guy? We're trying to find another reason to keep him around. Um, with with some of the, the the competition that's going on, and I'm not sure, you know, if that's necessarily the case. But let's not pretend like Samari Turi was in a uh, was a second round pick or something, right? And and we like his game, so I'm not trashing the guy. And I, I do think um, he ends up making this roster. But to your point, Malik Heath is just flashing. Dubose has been injured, but he's coming on strong now that he's um, that he seems to be healthy. We really like um, um, what what Hicks has been able to do. You start mentioning these young guys, and I mean, obviously Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed are locks. 
So now we're talking about, you know, if the Packers keep six, which is roughly what I think they're going to keep here. Um, I don't think they keep seven. I think they keep six personally. So then really we're talking Hicks, we're talking DeBose, we're talking Malik Heath and Samari Tori are battling for three spots. Um, so, um, you know, who, who are the kind of those final three and do they think they can sneak somebody on the, on the practice squad? So, um, remains to be seen how this all shakes out, but, um, but you're going to have to be able to, um, contribute on special teams to make this roster. Um, that's just, that's, that's the nature of the league. That's the nature specifically of the Packers. We've seen it at the running back spot in the past. I'd like to actually get your impressions of the running back spot next. But, um, right now I think, um, we're trying to see everything Samari Tori can do. Um, kind of the, the wide breadth of what he can do. Um, but I do think it's still important that he comes out and has a nice, strong third preseason game. The Packers are going to give him that opportunity. Um, I think that they're looking to see that development grow. We're not in camp every single day. We see what's open to the public. Um, but but I, I think he's done enough to earn a roster spot this year. But my goodness, there's more competition than I think any of us could have anticipated when we were you know rolling into August here just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and I mean we're talking about potentially the third third string uh return man because you've got Nixon obviously and then Jaden Reed was Good also point. someone that they really felt strongly about and and they're not even needing to give those guys reps at this point. So I, I, it is it is curious um yeah, it's nothing against anything that Troy's done wrong. It's just unfortunately this is competition. This is a big boy uh business and and sometimes guys just surpass you based on their performance and it's a good problem to have as a fan of the team. Um obviously we're rooting for Troy to be able to have a moment here and maybe solidify his, his spot on the roster as well because I do think as a receiver in particular he still has uh, some some ability and some upside, but the reality is, uh, to your point, he's a seventh round pick. He's a little older uh, for being a second year guy, uh, so you know it, it wouldn't be shocking. I, I don't think if the the Packers went with one of the younger guys as well. Um, Dane, I think maybe we should move over to the defensive side of the ball. And um, yeah, did you want to mention something? But otherwise, I was just going to say, my goodness, uh, defensive line and edge. I mean, uh, Enig Barre, I think, is a great place to start. But I, I know it's two different position groups. But how can we not talk about this D-line as well? Uh, and what Carl Brooks and, and Colby Wooden in particular uh, were able to do out there. Um, just so exciting to see these young guys amongst a couple others as well. Uh, Brendan Cox Jr., uh, I think, is someone else to potentially be excited about. Um, and so just curious, your your thoughts. You played defensive line as a, just a really stout defensive lineman in your, in your playing day. So, um, you know, you know this position well. So I, I would really love to hear your thoughts on, on what you're seeing from these guys and, and how that could translate uh, to being able to really help uh, this defensive line group as a whole once the regular season starts up. Yeah, let's talk about J.J. and Igbari right away. I mean, last year as a, what, was he a fifth-round guy? Um, last year he popped uh, in extended playing time in Rashawn Gary's injury. And my goodness, man, he's he's growing, right? And that that's kind of the theme of this Packers team. And we're not looking at this through green and gold lenses. We're looking at this through football lenses, right? Um, we've seen a number of young guys take a second year leap, and we're seeing some of the young guys that are that are rookies this year making an impact early on, not just in camp against each other, but against other NFL players, and they're playing at a high level. So that's what's really exciting. That's I think what we're so excited about with this. But let's start with JJ Nigbare. Um, who, um, you know, you and I've talked about it. We looked at each other um, last year and we were like, dude, 55, 55 is going to be able to play in the league. And all he's done this year is come out and continue that trend. And obviously the Packers invested and I love that they invested early and often, right, in this in this edge position with Lucas Van Ness, and and they brought in Brenton Cox later, and we obviously already have Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary and Justin Hollins. We have all these other guys, but J.J. Nubari brings this unique set of skills where he plays so well with his leverage. He's so fast off the snap wags. He's playing the run better, I think, this year in the limited snaps we've seen. So not only as a pass rusher, but that's that second part of this game that is so challenging is a lot of guys can get after the quarterback, but then they get swallowed up in the run game and they're not prepared for that. Or they have trouble setting the edge in the run game. And we're seeing J.J. Nubari grow 
I think, in year two as somebody that can not only be an asset in the pass rush, but potentially also in the run game. And he's going to earn spots this year. And he's making it so, so um, easy and hard, right? He and Brenton Cox Jr., I would say, on this edge group, because traditionally the Packers have carried five edges. Now with Rashawn Gary um, looking to be ready to go way sooner than I think I had anticipated, we're looking at an edge group that I would mention. You know, we're we're six deep if we're counting Brenton Cox. And and as much as I I'm not as concerned about maybe some of our late round uh, wide receivers getting poached off a practice squad. I'm not feeling the same comfort in Brenton Cox Jr. Brenton Cox Jr. is a guy who played incredibly well. Uh, and the reason he was undrafted in college was not because of what he could do on the field, was because of some maybe um, past indiscretions off the field. By all intents and purposes, and by everything that we've read so far on Brenton, um, dude's been a model citizen in Green Bay. Um, just as we expected, I think, you know, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary have taken him under his wing and he's really listening. He's really buying into Green Bay football. So, um, you know, if he's going to take that step, I would really hate for us to bring him in, get some good tutelage with him, with some of these veteran players and then say, okay, we're going to try to sneak you on the practice squad because he's another guy who's just balled out, not only in the first game against the Bengals, where it was like, holy smokes, who's this guy, but he got another hit on the quarterback. Um, against the Patriots. He had another tackle against the Patriots and he just looks the part of a potential NFL pass rusher. So look out all of a sudden we've got these young guys in Enigbari and, uh, and Brent Cox, in addition to, you know, obviously Lucas Van Ness and I don't, you know, we're not getting rid of Justin Hollins. He's been way too important in addition to all of our starters. So this is a really, really deep edge group right now. Um, Great problem to have Uh, one of the most important spots, but I really think this year the Packers might, break a trend and keep six edge rushers, which is wild to think about based on how the Packers have done this in the past. But I just don't know how you play musical chairs um, outside of that six. They've all been too good this year. Yeah. And I mean, that kind of goes into decisions about keeping, you know, seven receivers. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, those are kind of some of the factors you have to think about because uh, you're absolutely right. And, and Lucas Vadnas, I, I clearly looks the part, hasn't necessarily had that impact moment yet. But um, this gives the Packers a, a real ability to manage snaps, not just as Rashawn Gary comes back from injury, but all throughout the season uh, with not and not just with Rashawn Gary is Preston Smith. Uh, he's a guy that's you know in his age he's over age 30 now he's one of the older guys on the roster um so you can bring guys in and waves and have confidence that you're not going to have a significant fall off in performance where in years past I, I don't know that we had that luxury uh kenny clark um rashawn gary preston smith uh back when uh zadarius uh was on the team uh those were uh, guys that really didn't come off the field in any situation. Uh, now, not only in the edge group, but let me segue over to defensive line. It seems like we've got some young guys that not only are, you know, replenishing and turning over uh, this position group on the defensive line a little bit, but can seem to really play. So this is really exciting stuff. And, um, the two guys that really popped uh, uh, certainly were Kyle Brooks and, and uh, um, Colby Wood. And, and it, this is exciting stuff, Dane, because uh, Devontae Wyatt was apparently the player of camp for the first week or two. And so they haven't even really had him out there for too many snaps in, in these games. Um, so that's going to be great. And hopefully that continues and, and translates into the regular season um, because now we've got Kenny Clark, we've got Devontae Wyatt maybe in a year or two making a jump we know what we can get with with tj slayton um and not and you add uh wooden and, and um uh, carl brooks i think presumably uh to this group and and that's a five five man defensive line that's got a heck of a lot more talent than we've seen in green bay and in, in in quite a few years to be honest if that is something that can translate what we're seeing right now what our eyes are telling us is is not I don't uh, something that I think is deceiving. So I I can't be more excited about this development, Dane, because um, now Kenny Clark doesn't have to go out there for 65, 70 snaps every week. We can manage his reps, and and it, those are going to be more impactful uh, snaps when he's out there uh, for maybe 
58 to 60 snaps instead of 68 to 72 snaps. Um, and uh, these young guys can come in and spell them. We've got more depth if there's anyone that gets injured or nicked up for hopefully nothing long term, a week or two. So um, it, this is this is really really something that could make a significant difference and this Packers defense being able to finally get over the top and, and make a step and, and uh, become one of the, the better units in the league based on the talent that we have uh, both in defensive line and in the edge positions uh, because uh, it's going to be hard to keep some of these guys off the field. Well, and this is what's so funny about some previous years. We're talking about this kind of youth movement in Green Bay. Um, haven't even mentioned Jonathan Ford yet on this defensive line. And Jonathan Ford's a guy who was on the roster all year last year, um, you know, took up a spot on the 53, um, basically a redshirt year for Jonathan Ford. And he's made a massive leap as well. And he's pushing the Packers. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's such a good problem to have. And even in the previous years with, you know, teams that are really, really strong going deep in the playoffs in Green Bay, you could find some holes, right, uh, in kind of the, the youth drop-off. Or we had some veterans that were maybe eating up some spots. I think of Dean Lowry, particularly in the defensive line, as somebody that just, I thought, took up a spot and blocked a little bit um, of the development of some of the young guys. And that's no longer the case here. And Jonathan Ford's been another guy that's just balled out uh, when given an opportunity, did it again on, on um, this evening. But you mentioned Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks. I mean, these guys are, are synonymous together because they're both young guys, right, that came in the same year here they're both rookies but they play the game so violently they play it so well um and and it's 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 i think they got a guy in carl brooks uh, they're both good but carl brooks was sneaky good i think in college now we've seen him he's making that leap and um if uh, you said it if we could be rotating on this defensive side not only with the defensive line but also in the edge um, this is a defense that's going to be young and it's going to be fast. It's going to mirror some of these young wide receivers in the sense that they're, you know, they're youthful. They're a little less experienced, but they can play the game of football. Um, it's early, but I think this is one of the, the deeper goody drafts that I can recall just kind of looking at it on paper because we're, I think, accustomed to seeing a couple guys pop in preseason, a couple guys don't. Um, right now, early on, we're seeing a lot of the draft picks and the undrafted guys coming in here and pop on tape against other teams competition. So um, the proof's going to be in the pudding. We're going to have to see what they can do against, you know, elite NFL starters, but um, so far so good with this defense and particularly this defensive line and this edge group. And then you start to look around wags. Inside uh, before, oh, before well. we cut over, I was just going to say, and if you don't think that doesn't make a difference, I mean, how many times over the last few seasons have we seen teams wear down our defensive front by the mid third quarter? And, you know, it, it's, and we're getting gashed. Um, and this is why this defense has not been very good against the run, uh, for years and years. Uh, we just have not had the talent in that defensive line group. Um, all respect to some of the guys that we've seen move on. They're just not as talented. And um, so this is potentially a, a group that will be able to uh, bring in and, and play some snaps. And hopefully that translates to not getting worn down uh, in the second half of football games uh, when the other team is really doing a ground and pound style of, of game plan uh, against the Packers. So, um, I, I mean, it, it doesn't, take a rocket scientist to figure out that that can make a big difference, uh, not just week to week, but over the course of this uh, 18 week regular season as well. So the one other thing I want to touch on and, and Wags, as we're talking through this, I think after the next preseason game, we're probably going to need to do some predictions on who we think actually makes this roster because it's going to be it, tough. This it's going to be tough. And I, and I look around and I've seen, you know, some of these, some of these um, media orgs, do a lot of different, um, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of putting their projections out there now. I really believe a couple of these spots we're not going to know until after this. And I think it's going to be really hard for these, um, for the GM of the pack with Goody and, and the scouts and everybody else that's going to be involved here. Um, but I got to ask you about a couple other spots. Um, corner and safety, the defensive back group here. Um, you know, a couple, Ballantyne, I know, went down with an injury here. I think Keandre Thomas has played really good football um, uh, coming on late again. He's had two strong camps in a row, so that's really exciting to see. Um, but, but what I want to ask you about is, um, you know, one of the, the darlings of camp, 
has been um, Valentine, the, the corner number 37 that's coming out of there. And then more broadly, the safety group, right? Because there's a ton of safeties in camp right now. So what do you, what do you see out of Valentine this time? I think it was a little bit more of a welcome to the NFL moment. He had some high moments, but I think also had some struggles um, after a really strong camp here against the Patriots. And then also safety. We got a ton of safeties in camp right now. And I'm just kind of curious, next to Darnell Savage, who seems to have kind of locked up that role, the Packers have been rotating a ton of safety. So what are you seeing there? Um, and what are you looking for going into this last preseason game? Sure. So I'll start with Valentine. Uh, yeah, he had a tougher week. Um, got called for a hold in that first series that on a third down play that would have uh, gotten the Pats offense off the field and probably would have attempted a field goal. Uh, but they were able to get a first down because of the penalty and, and, and run it in on the next play. So um, that can happen. Um, got got beat um, uh, late in the half um, on kind of a, a skinny slant route. Um, tried to jump it a little bit and just mistimed it. Um, so he just has to, I mean, I'm sure he'll get corrected and, and that's going to be corrected in, in, in film, but um, knowing the situation, right? Especially, it doesn't matter, I guess, any time of the game, but particularly in a two minute, um, you, you got to know the situation and, and really make sure that you're in the right position. Um, so that was certainly, as you said, uh, something as a coaching opportunity. Um, and then he had one other penalty in the second half. But what I will say, Dane, is it didn't really affect my confidence in what Valentine can do. Maybe we can pump the brakes a little bit and saying that he needs to be, uh, you know, the, the starter opposite Jair in, in week one. Um, but, and moving Razul to safety, although I did promote the idea of potentially moving Razul to safety in the off season, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the move right now. And then I get a little hesitant about the idea of doing that once the season starts. So, so, um, so Valentine, what just to complete my thought, what I really like about this kid is he's he's competing no matter what. Like he bounced back and made made a few nice plays, even when he had a, a couple of tough moments in this game. And so um, I, I think he's for real, Dane. I, I don't think this was something that just happened, but the proof is in the pudding. It's it's a long season and uh, hopefully he can stay healthy. Um, I think he will have some opportunities. There's always injuries in the cornerback room, um, no matter what. But um, so, again, hopefully those are more of the short term variety when they do happen. Um, but um, certainly he's someone that's minimally has earned an opportunity to get out there on the field, I, I think, in some some different packages. Um, so we'll see what exactly that looks like um, when Eric Stokes comes back. That'll be another variable. But similar to the Rashawn Gary situation with all the guys uh, and Enoch Barre and Van Ness and, and all the guys on the defensive line stepping up uh, and on the edge, potentially allowing you to bring them back, slowly manage the snaps. Um, I don't know if Stokes will be bat bought back before the regular season or if he'll be on the pup for the first six weeks. Um, it, that's been a very quiet situation. We haven't heard any news about, um, but either way, it's nice to, to know that we've got um, some depth uh, ready to step in behind Jair, behind uh, Rasul Douglas, um, behind Kayshawn Nixon, um, et cetera. Um, in, in, a, in a guy like Valentine, uh, and he's going to go out there and I think be able to, for the most part, get the job done. So um, that's my thought on that. Um, as far as a safety, Dane, I mean, I'm going to kick it back to you because, you know, we've really been been drilling down on this. I thought Rudy Ford got the first opportunity um, in this game. He was the, the starter uh, by alongside Savage. Um, Tavares Moore got hurt at some point. I don't know the extent of that injury. Um, so that might become a factor. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it, it, let's just say this, and Ennis Gaines has been hurt too. It, it hasn't obviously been a situation that anyone stepped in and run away with it. Um, so that's, that's my read on it. Uh, and, and I'm sure I could give more thoughts, but I'm going to turn it back to you and kind of, I'd like to hear what you have to say on the safety position as well. 
You mentioned Innis Gaines, and he played some nickel as well. And, I mean, he's popped in special teams, and he played some meaningful defensive snaps late last year, but he's hurt, right? So he's going to have to get right. I, I fear that that's going to be a tough uh, tough hurdle for him um, for final cuts, and he may start the season on the practice squad. Uh, again, that's just my initial impression with that, just based on the injury. But looking at the starters, um, you know, I, I think I think Rudy Ford is is – when he's out there, he, he plays with kind of a reckless abandon that I really like um, uh, on this defense. I really like what Jonathan Owens has brought as well. Um, um, I, I will say, though, that, um, you know, Darnell Savage seems to be the guy that's locked up the safety spot. But I'm not so certain if we don't see a rotation throughout the year um, where we see, a, a, you know, potential times where Rudy Ford and Jonathan Owens are out there together. Right. And Darnell Savage is moving around somewhere else or or, you know, maybe to various more to a certain degree. But if, if I had to do an odd man out right now, bold prediction, it would be more is is on the outside looking in based on everything that I've seen in camp. Um, uh, because I you know, this is a, a roster spot that um just because you don't have two defined guys doesn't mean you can keep six safeties, right? And Dallin Levitt's another guy who plays a ton of special teams, doesn't play a lot of traditional defense. Um, so when you start to look at the numbers, um, I think we're going to have Savage there. I think Rudy Ford personally has the edge right now based on play, based on um, – Based on his, um, you know, comfortability with with the defense, uh, and with a Jonathan Owens, a close second behind him. But again, I think they're all going to rotate in, and it wouldn't surprise me if Tavares Moore also makes the team, right? Sticks with the roster and, and gets some looks as the season wears on. I think the guy that's looking outside right now, looking in, is probably Anthony Johnson Jr. I like his game an awful lot. He's a young guy. Um, but if we're talking about guys that we might be able to sneak on the practice squad to grow a little bit and kind of get NFL ready, it might be an Anthony Johnson Jr. And I know he came in with a lot of folks very, very excited about him, us included, just based on whole, you know, the the overall view that we've seen, I think, uh, throughout camp. I think Johnson can be a player in this league, but he might be more of a practice squad guy to start. And we're going to look at maybe some of more of these veterans to fill that role. Uh, until somebody sorts it out. And it might be up until, you know, week four, week five, week six, until something gets settled. I mean, you think about Kayshawn Nixon last year, right? We didn't get the so, the special team stuff settled until midseason when he got an opportunity. So we're going to see some rotating, I think, early on in the year, see who's hot, who's popping. And if somebody seizes the job come week one, week two, week three, I think that's how we're going to go into it. But I, I'm not as nervous about the safety group wags as I think some Packer fans are. I really like what Rudy's uh, capable of doing. I think he's a playmaker. He's a ball hawk. I really like what Jonathan Owens can do. And the Packers have the guys there. I think that they're going to mix and match based on um, personnel. Uh, they're going to uh, mix and match based on who they're playing each week. Um, but right now, it, I'm thinking it's Savage Rudy Ford week one down in Chicago. Okay. Yeah. And I think what's interesting as you talk through all of those guys is several of them are big contributors historically in their careers in special teams. So Tavarius Moore was a key special teams player for 49ers, former third round pick. Uh, maybe hasn't worked out for him to, to get on the field as much as I'm sure he would have liked as a safety on the defense. But they signed him as a potentially impact special team player. Rudy Ford, we know what he's meant to special teams. Um, Dallin Levitt, um, obviously Bisaccia, uh, loves him. Um, but he's, he's, he's not someone that I, I think is in the mix here, um, for, for playing actual snaps and safety. Um, so, you know, and then Ennis Gaines is, I think, another key special teams guy. Um, I'm not sure how much Jonathan Owens, I think early in his career, he may have played quite a bit. I'm not sure how, how much special teams he played for the Texans last year. Uh, but um, it, it, the interesting thing or the point I was going to make is at some point, uh, you can't keep all of those guys just because they're special teams because right. they be, it, the the skill set becomes redundant. So interestingly, um, you know they they're gonna whoever wins the battle to be the starter and maybe the primary backup, they're gonna make the team uh, based on their their defensive capabilities. Whoever wins that battle. That being said, at 
a certain point, and we this is true of a lot of these decisions all throughout the roster, but I think it can't be more true than at the safety position. Who do they project to be the the guys on the special teams, and and who who do they think is are really winning those jobs? Uh, because they don't need you know if it's Dallin Levitt, uh, yeah, he might be great on special teams, but push come to shove, uh, if if it's uh, you know Ennis Gaines is is giving you just as much uh, as Dallin Levitt is from a special team standpoint, but maybe is a, a little bit more likely to be able to step in on the defensive side, and and you have more confidence in him there. Um, you know you have to make that calculus at a certain point because we've got all of these guys that are special teams aces. So you know it. it, it I don't want to say it's a redundant skill, but for a lack of a better way of, of, of thinking of, of explaining it in, a, in some ways um, you're almost a Jack of all trades, master of none type situation with some of these guys. And so it's going to be interesting to see how they, they rate each of those contributions. Um, if you're not a core special teams guy, but you're kind of, uh, you know, in the mix for the backup safety position versus core special teams guy that maybe slightly in the mix, but not quite as much. I'm thinking of a guy like maybe an Innis game right now because of his injury status. Um, how does, how do those decisions get made? It's not going to be easy. And I think that's going to be what's making projecting this 53 man roster. So challenging. It's a great point. And Gaines can play all over the defense. That's the thing. Like he, he's somebody, I mean, yeah, I think, Anybody who listens knows how we feel about Andrew Gaines. He can ball. I just want him to get healthy. Like I really get healthy. Yeah, get healthy. Like we need him healthy because we think he can be like a player on defense and special teams for this defense. Um, One other pivot point on special teams. I just want to note with the running back and going back, but we're talking special teams. um, I noticed Patrick Taylor is like the one guy who's played core on both preseason games so far on special teams. And I know everybody talks about Emmanuel Wilson and uh, they should, he's balled out, but Emmanuel Wilson's played two special team snaps and Patrick Taylor's played like all of them. (laughs) And, um, and they, they love what he can do on third down. So just don't be surprised. Patrick Taylor is deep in the mix yet again, not only because of, you know, what he can do on third down for the Packers, but also his special teams play. I think that Emmanuel Wilson might be more likely to be a practice squad hold. Um, Packers only carried two running backs going into the regular season last year. I'm not sure if that's going to be the case again this year. Um, So that's just my little note there. Yeah, I think they probably will carry two running backs again. Um, and then they'll have two guys on the practice squad that they'll be able to rotate through and call up on game day slash have depth if there's an injury to to Jones or Dylan. So, um, you know, I could be wrong, but that 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 ability to to do those game day call ups is a game changer for the running back position. Um, so we'll see. I, I I could be wrong on that, but I, I would anticipate that they'll just go with, with the two again this year, at least to start off, uh, uh, depending on, on what the status is uh, of everyone else on the roster. Um, it's just too, too much of a challenge. And unfortunately, the running backs continue to get the short shrift. But the reality is, is uh, that's kind of a, a wants to have and not a needs to have in terms of the, thir- the third running back on the 53-man roster, considering that uh, they've got multiple guys that I think, for all intents and purposes, they would feel comfortable bringing up on game day. Yeah, it's a good point, especially as that first couple of weeks before the injuries really knock on wood, you know, catch up. Like it gives you an opportunity to keep another guy that you like, like a Brenton Cox Jr., for example, right? Knowing that you're going to be able to, you know, likely sneak some of your running backs onto the practice squad. So that's a really exactly. good point. Um, so finally, on my end, Wags, Anders Carlson hit some field goals. How do you feel after this? You know, we, we've seen the ups and downs. We're riding the wave, the Anders wave. Uh, Anders wave. So how, how are you feeling now um, after some big field goals for him on uh, Saturday night? I drilled it. So that's good to see. I mean, it's better than the other. I don't know. I don't have much other of, of, of an analysis to give you on this, Dane, I, I believe it or not, other than just to give him kudos. I'm glad his first opportunity in game action at Lambeau field, um, you know, he coolly hit both of his extra points as well. One of them was moved back five yards because of a penalty. Um, no problem. Just drilled him um, 52 yarder drilled it. Um, you know, that would have been good from uh, several yards back. Uh, so um 
but you know we can expect uh, just like any kicking situation there's probably going to be some inconsistencies for Anders uh, but it's progress um and so that's all I got to say about that um I haven't changed my opinion that the front office is being hard-headed uh, about this situation and not bringing in uh, another kicker I I'm not someone that was crying for Mason Crosby I know we talked a little bit about how that could impact how you use a guy like Anders moving forward um but for Pete's sake what, why why they didn't bring someone else in to compete is just befuddling to me. And it's it's just reminds me so much uh, of the Amari Rogers situation. Different guy, different position. Uh, but it's just how they've managed some of their specialists and special teams in particular. Uh, the last couple of seasons just doesn't make a ton of sense to me uh, when you've got someone that's unproven and hasn't gone out there and shown that they can do the job on Sundays, uh, just seemingly getting handed at the position. Preach, Wags. Preach. Uh, <laughs> uh, all of that. It, uh, that it, said, it, kudos yeah. to Andre. Seriously, Wait. happy for him. Good for him. Glad it went well. So Yeah, we wanted to go well. <laughs> We're on Team Anders here. We wanted to get through goals. Um, anything else that, that stuck out to you? Um, as you know, I think we got three practices left, right? And then we got one preseason game, and then we're talking cuts. So we're, we're really inching towards this season and this final roster makeup. Yeah, I got to clean up the penalties. Way too many penalties. And yeah, 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 preseason. I get it. Got lots of guys out there rotating in, but um, that's that's got to get cleaned up significantly. Uh, both teams were pretty highly penalized. Uh, so sometimes you just get that crew, but at the same time, um, that's coaching. Uh, so uh, we'll, I'll be anxious to see what it looks like here in the final preseason game and hopefully uh, guys get that cleaned up and, and coach LaFleur and the rest of the staff get that cleaned up because um, nothing would be more frustrating than having a young inconsistent team that gets uh, bedeviled by having tons of penalties week over week, because uh, that's the last thing you need when you're trying to, to get some rhythm and cons- some consistency is just making your life that much more challenging for yourself. Well, listen, this is fun. We're back, baby. Football's in full swing in Green Bay. One more preseason game to go. We'll be back, what, on Monday next week, uh, talking talking some more Packers, starting to predict some things. And then, folks, all year long, um, we, we talk a couple times a week. We do a preview pod. We do a, we do a, a post-game analysis podcast. We're looking forward to coming back to you all year long. Remember to follow us on all the social media platforms you can imagine. Um, you know, we simulcast live on Monday evenings um, currently um, come regular season. I think that's going to be the same uh, Monday evening post game and Thursday for pregame. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, anything else, Wags? Housekeeping before we wrap up. No, man. Thanks so much for following along. Really enjoyed it tonight. Appreciate everyone for joining in here. And as always, be legendary and go pack. Go, go. Pack, go. Every year I know we're gonna go hard. We've been that team ever since Bart Star. All my cheese heads go pack go. Ain't show with no mercy, cutting no slack, no. I ain't a bad sport and I'll even wish you good luck. Only thing I will say.